Okay, we are recording. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. As always, I am Eric Nemchuk alongside Stephen Trinkwald. And happy WNBA finals, everybody. We are already two games into the finals, but Stephen and I, per our usual Sunday recording, Monday release episode schedule, we thought we'd kind of uh, catch up a little bit on what's been going on so far between the Seattle Storm and the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, Stephen, the Seattle Storm have taken a commanding 2-0 series lead, most recently defeating the Aces 104-91 to in Game 2. But first of all, let's take a look back at Game 1 kind of briefly, because there are a few things that I think kind of happened that were a little surprising in that game. Yeah, for sure. Is there a particular place that, that you want to start? Because I know I have some things that I found interesting. Well, in game one, the Storm beat the Aces 93-80. to 80. You know, it was, it was back and forth for a little while. And the Storm actually, or the Aces actually came all the way back right before the fourth quarter started. But in the end, you know, Seattle's depth was just too much. The one thing that really stood out to me, 48 points in the paint for the Storm, just 18 for the Aces in that one. Yeah, and, you know, we don't have to get too much into game two, you know, immediately before kind of going over some of the other things. But, you know, Vegas really kind of took that advantage back. They didn't really slow down Seattle in the paint all that much, but were able to at least get themselves, you know, some points in the paint and actually had the advantage in this one. A slight yeah, I advantage, mean, I should say, 46 to 44. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the 30 points in the paint deficit for a team that led the WNBA in, in, in point paints during the regular season was pretty anomalous. But there are some other weird things, too, like, the Aces, they shot way better from three-point range than they did from two-point range. You know, Aces, known for shooting the three, obviously. And then Alicia Clark for the Seattle Storm, just two for 13 from the field, also kind of weird. But, like, game one was all about Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd just carving up the Aces' defense. Subert, a record-setting 16 assists. Angel yeah. Wilson, kind of missing in action. Sure. And to, to hit on some things that you had just mentioned, in game one, Andrew McCautry hit her first five threes yeah. of the game, but went one for nine on twos in game one and seemed to have a lot of trouble finishing over Seattle's length in that game. Uh, you mentioned Jewel Lloyd's huge game. She was eight of eight in the restricted area, and we saw Vegas kind of change up a little bit on, on what they were doing with Jewel Lloyd. And I think even Seattle kind of just going away from what really drove success for Jewel Lloyd. And that was, you know, something that we've talked a lot about with Jewel Lloyd over our, our short time at the double down. And, you know, that's getting her started on her drive before she catches the ball, like getting her the catch on the move. So she's able to kind of attack already downhill. You know, she, she has her momentum going for her. They also like ran a ton of staggered screens, I thought. So she had a chance more to attack bigs downhill and they weren't able to like get over those those screens so easily you know when it's just one screen obviously it's a lot easier to get over and in game one I thought there was you know a couple possessions I would say not too many uh, I think a lot of it was really Jewel Lloyd playing well and Seattle scheming well but in game one a couple weird bad confused defensive possessions by Kayla McBride and, and we saw Vegas switch that up late in game one and most of game two with D-Rob covering Lloyd instead. Yeah so some some things that we're kind of caught us off guard in game one, but uh, the expected result, I think, was the Storm defeating the Aces by double digits. That happened again today. Like I said, 104 to 91. Storm putting up an insane 131.6 points per 100 possessions. This game, I felt like it had a pretty good flow for most of it before it got into garbage time, you know, when the, the pace typically slows down. Much different than the Sun versus Aces slogs we saw in the semifinals. But the Storm, just terrific in this one. They shot 57.1% from the field, 46.2% from three-point range. 33 assists on 40 made baskets, Stephen. This was kind of the beautiful game that we've come to know and love from Seattle. 
a lot of ball and body movement, a lot of screens generating open looks for teammates, off-ball screens in particular. You know, one thing we didn't touch on before that Seattle had a lot of success with in game one that I think they continue to have success with in this game, uh, whether it was Swords or Cannon accompanying Wilson in the front court was like big-to-big screening. Howard in particular setting the screen for Brianna Stewart, particularly off the ball. And Stewie was able to get some really great looks from that in game one and in in this game as well. Particularly, I think, when Carolyn Swords was in the game because Swords more so like really wants to play a deep drop back coverage in the pick and roll on the ball. So when that was happening, Howard could just immediately go from screening for the ball handler, Subert, most often to screening for Brianna Stewart. And when that screener's defender is nowhere nearby, that, that's going to generate an open look for the, the screeny. The screeny. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a defining moment of game one was at the start of the third quarter when Carolyn Swords kept getting stuck in isolation on Brianna Stewart. And Stewart went on her, like, a personal 8-0 run. And the feeling was like, okay, this, the, the aces have to change this up heading into game two. And the minutes distribution was much different. Swords played about 14 minutes. Emma Cannon played about 28 what did you think of this, uh, this minutes distribution here? I mean, it's tough. Emma Cannon obviously had a, a terrific game from the field. She was 8 for 10, you know, 17 points on 11, 11 shooting possessions. But she was not a perfect player in this game. And, you know, the Aces, I think, don't really have any good choices to make in, in terms of that, that fifth player. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Cannon was pretty effective from the field, but she was also, like, directly involved in three straight turnovers – Late in the first quarter, you know, there was a couple pick and roll possessions that she was the the centerpiece of, I guess we'll say, that resulted in a turnover. Uh, she was late to recovering on quite a few open Brianna Stewart corner threes. You know, maybe this one was not her fault, but pretty much her first possession of the second half. You know, Sue Bird runs a pick and roll with Stewart, and Vegas had pretty much been switching a lot of things. And the other big for Vegas, Asia Wilson, was also up high. So Vegas was ready to, to kind of scram the guard if Vegas did switch that pick and roll, but they didn't switch. Both defenders went to Stewart, who didn't even have the ball. They followed Stewart on the pop, and Sue Bird got an open three. Late in the second quarter, Seattle got like an offensive rebound, and Cannon just kind of never really moved. And she was pretty much like a foot away from their restricted area and watched Stewart can like a wide open three. Uh, she gave up another corner three in semi-transition. Just, I don't know if maybe she was like hanging around the paint in case like McBride flew by Clark on like a closeout and, and she just wanted to protect the paint. But like Asia Wilson had already gotten back at that point, but she just was late on getting like closing out to Stewart again. So I thought she was not good defensively. And sorry, I've, I've been kind of monologuing here for a while, but before I go on, like w- what are you kind of thinking between the swords and the cannon choice that Vegas has here? This is with Derek and Hamby are obviously out for the for the series. Uh, there's no good option, unfortunately, and because Asia Wilson is already going to have to play like almost the entire game, and I mean the choice between Emma Cannon and Carolyn Swords, Swords I, I feel like is that player who's basically just in there to offensive rebound and to not make mistakes. But Carolyn Swords, I mean you have something about this in your notes. She's such a bad matchup versus basically any big Seattle Seattle has out there. So it's like, what do you do? Well, I mean, I think she's an okay matchup when Russell is in the game. Russell, sure. But yeah, I mean, you're kind of like looking at two two different types of like bad defenders, right? Like 
I, I like to think of poor defenders in terms of like can't, won't, and doesn't know how. And if you are a bad defender, like you could definitely be all three of those or you can be just one. And at this point in Carolyn Swords' career, she's going to kill you as a can't defender. Like she does not have the mobility, the foot speed to defend, particularly in this matchup, starters versus starters. But as I was kind of highlighting before, Emma Cannon is really a doesn't know how defender. She's going to kill you with mistakes. And, and I think Vegas suffered through a lot of that in this game. Yeah. Now the aces did do some things. Well, you know, they, they did make some adjustments from game one, I thought, and right out of the gate. I mean, they looked to establish Asia Wilson early. She again was not super efficient from the field, but I thought I saw a noticeable difference between Asia's game tonight compared to game one. I mean, she just looked more aggressive to me. She was settling for fewer outside shots. And even though the storm were just swarming her on pretty much every possession, she was really taking it to them. I thought Wilson was great in this game, truly. Like she, she doesn't have like maybe the, the biggest Asia Wilson stat line, you know, only, only 20 points on, I think it's 19 shooting possessions. But I thought she was, she was a dominant player in this game. You know, there were some that she, she left on the table for sure. I think as brilliant of a player as Asia Wilson is, I think she still has a little ways to go as a passer. Uh, she had one assist tonight, uh, one assist in game one. You know, wasn't charged with, I don't think, any turnovers in this game. But definitely, I thought, in my opinion, had some turnover-worthy plays and, and also just some plays where she, she kind of missed her teammates on, on some pretty good looks. Daniel Robbins specifically, of course, because she's the one not being guarded. But uh, one play in particular, you know, she wasn't charged a turnover but had that turnover-worthy pass at the end of the first quarter where, where she saw a double team. And, you know, this is the one that Vegas, like, recovered after it looked like Seattle was going to get a two-on-one with, I think, Lloyd and I want to say it was Epiphany Prince. But then she also had a, a turnover-worthy pass, not going high to low, but maybe, like, low to low. She was kind of, like, a few steps above the, the restricted area trying to get it to, to Emma Cannon. But, like, both of Stewart's hands, it looked like, got on the pass, but it somehow made it its way to, to Cannon as well. There was the end of the second quarter. Vegas had a shot clock violation because Wilson catches the ball with about five seconds left with Jewel Lloyd on her. She pump fakes, takes the, the dribble to her right with four seconds, spins to her left, somehow has no idea that the double team is coming with Natasha Howard, uh, even though, you know, she's going to her strong hand and her initial defender is Jewel Lloyd. So she like throws the, a flaming bag to McBride, who I think officially picks up the turnover with the shot clock violation. So you know, she, she's a great player and, and definitely a worthy MVP for this season, but, you know, she's not a perfect player. And I think those, that passing instincts and that feel for kind of where the teammates are in the situation, you know, still needs to improve a little bit. You know, obviously th this team is great and maybe it never does improve and she's still just a terrific player, but, and, and we're, you know, picking nits here to some extent, but there were definitely some opportunities where, where Wilson could have made, I think, a better play. I mean, it, you know, she's going to be attracting two to three defenders on basically every possession, right? And this is something that Bill Ambeer did in his time in New York with Tina Charles, is Tina Charles' assist rate went up and up and up and up um, because they knew that she was going to get double teamed basically every time. And she did improve as a playmaker. Granted, her usage rate was through the roof, but that's something I'm wondering if they're going to try to do with Asia Wilson. Because, like, for the amount of time she has the basketball and for the amount of attention she draws, like, one assist is not great. She, she seems like she's still working on transitioning from a just a play finisher to a playmaker. Because I don't think being a playmaker is really anything she's really had to do at this point. But without Liz Cambage in there and without this, this high-low stuff uh, in the playbook, 
you gotta you gotta take what the defense is giving you. you know? yeah. And I and, should say, you know, she she definitely had some better moments in that Connecticut series where she was making some passes that I think maybe in other parts of her career she she wouldn't have made, but it wasn't really there tonight. Well, I mean, this is her third year. She's still not a finished product. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see her become a, a better playmaker. I, I don't think it's ever going to be her forte, but it's something that they, that they need to have in their pocket if they're going to face a team like this, or if they're going to run out here with only one three-point shooter playing next to her because everyone else is just going to be, you know, standing there basically. One thing, there were a couple of things I thought that really drove better success for Asia Wilson. One thing that you had just talked about, she was catching the ball deeper into the paint, not settling for, the, the elbow jump shot, which, which kind of comes and goes, you know, the jump shots are obviously not, not as reliable as scoring inside. And then I also thought Vegas, something that you had been harping on for, for a while, I think, you know, Vegas made a conscious effort to have D-Rob on the opposite side of the floor yeah. when they were going to run an action for Asia Wilson. And that makes a lot of sense for a couple of reasons. One, when D-Rob is the entry passer, that defender can immediately just sag off of D-Rob and make life more difficult for, for Asia Wilson. There's immediately two defenders meeting her when she gets the ball, as opposed to when D-Rob is on the other side. Obviously, that that help has to come a lot further away. But also, like, Robinson has something else to do there. You know, she can kind of, she can cut along the baseline in, in an open area. And I, I did kind of, like, track it after the game. And to be honest, the numbers were not all that different in terms of Asia's efficiency, like whether it was D-Rob on, on the strong side or if she was on the weak side. But you know, anecdotally, like the looks just looked so much cleaner if Robinson was on the opposite side of the floor than Wilson as to if she was the one dumping it down. And it should be noted also that all three of D-Rob's turnovers came with her trying to run an action with Asia Wilson. Like there was that entry pass that she just tried to throw way too far out that Epiphany Prince was able to just like leap up and grab. There was another post up for Wilson where her defender was just sagging way off of her. So D-Rob decided to just drive into the lane and kind of kick it out to nobody because there were like pretty much 10 bodies in the paint ready for her. They ran a a Robinson-Wilson pick and roll where where she just kind of threw it off Wilson's foot. So I definitely think Robinson has a place in the series and and needs to be effective, obviously, for for Vegas to have any kind of chance. But as you had highlighted so many times on, on Twitter and on the show, like when Asia Wilson is the hub of your offense, Robinson has to be on the opposite side of the floor. I think... When, uh, was, were we talking about this before the finals or, or during the semifinals when we were debating on who should be starting, Daniel Robinson or Jackie Young? I was advocating for Jackie Young, and that was not very smart in hindsight. Jackie Young has not been good in this series. And Daniel Robinson, I think, has at least shown the ability to run some semblance of an offense. I mean, 10 assists to three turnovers today, not bad. But for me, it's when both of them are on the court at the same time. Like, the court just shrinks so much, especially when they're on the same side of the court and they're both standing, you know, like inside the three-point line. Against a defense like this, like Seattle, where they're so aggressive and they know the ball is going down to Asia Wilson, that puts you at a huge disadvantage almost immediately. Yeah, and if maybe we can – now is a good time since you brought her up. Like, Jackie Young, as much as I have enjoyed her improvement from year one to year two – Got to be better. You know, I, I think she's just maybe not a playoff player at, at this point. She's certainly not a WNBA Finals player. You know, this is her second straight pretty pretty bad series. You know, she – was better, I guess, in game one, which, you know, was good for like 12 points on, on 14 shooting attempts. But she just can't really do the things that make Jackie Young effective in, in this series. Like she's not going to get her body into, into Alicia Clark and be able to get all the way to the rim and use her strength to, to get 
decent looks. And when she doesn't have the ball, you know, obviously it's, it's a huge problem. So that's an interesting point, and it kind of leads me into a uh, more of a macro-level thing. I might think that Jack Young is not an Aces type of player. I think she might be better on a different roster, and this is not the only Aces player I have to say about this, so remind me to come back to it. Um, Candace Parker made an interesting point on Twitter. She said, playoffs are glaring indications of what players and offenses can create and can, and can continue to do despite scouting and preparation. Things that work in the regular season don't work in the playoffs. Being able to create individually and as a team is crucial, and it's glaring when you can't. Now, I'm not sure if Candace was singling out somebody here. I think it could certainly apply to both Jackie Young and Daniel Robinson. And, and the Aces as a whole. And the Aces, exactly. That's what I was getting at, the Aces as a whole. Remember, during the regular season, the Aces were this team that was booking it up the floor. They were taking shots early in the shot clock. They wanted to get to their free throw line. Well, what's going on in the playoffs? They are not getting to the free throw line. Only five attempts today. They are, not being, they are not able to play with sustained pace or get out in transition. And these weaknesses in the backcourt with these guards that can't shoot is just super magnified. And whether you have Jackie Young out there, Daniel Robinson out there, uh, to an extent, Angel McCrotchery out there, I mean, you're going to continue giving Angel a three-point shot no matter how many of she makes in a row. When you have so many of those players on the roster at the same time, you just don't have a lot of options, especially when your, your best offense is just dump it down to Asia every single time, you know? Yeah, and that, that was, you know, something I was kind of alluding to with the bigs as well, you know, just kind of a lack of, you know, where do you go from here? You've, you've tried the two options that you kind of have. You know, they also did try going small, and um, it's kind of the same thing with the guards. Like, I, I guess you can run maybe like a bigger lineup with, with McBride and, and Angel, but, you know, you, you don't really have the horses for that either, to be honest with you. So you, you mentioned maybe this is not – the best type of roster construction for a Jackie Young? Like, does she just need to be able to play with bigs that can space the floor? Like, what, what situation fits her better? I think she needs to play with a more pick-and-roll heavy offense. I don't think – because, I mean, I think the Aces – I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I might be wrong. But I think the Aces could still stand to run a lot more pick-and-rolls than they, than they already do. But you can't really do that when the floor is so shrunk, right? So – if Jackie Young plays on a team like maybe – is Washington kind of an extreme example because they have shooters everywhere? Well, but sure, but that's like the prototype of what you're saying at least. Right. Uh, you know, like a player like her, you know what she's good at, and that's getting into the paint and getting to the, to the rim. And she's a big guard who can make some plays for others. So how do you best complement that? With shooters, with stretch bigs, which – with in an offense that, you know, runs a lot of motion and can run screens with different players. In this offense, I mean, it's like right now Seattle is just daring them to shoot from the outside, which is a good strategy, and they can't make them pay because they just can't do it. And when you have all these players that are just magnifying each other's weaknesses, I mean, man, it gets ugly in a hurry if they're not, if, if they're not playing at their absolute sharpest. Yeah, I agree with you. I guess we talk well, about Seattle a little bit. Well, well, one thing I want to ask you before we move on, maybe this okay. is not the time or place to talk about this, but like at Jackie Young, I think we both like her prospects moving forward. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think she's like a primary ball handler? Is she more of like a, a small forward or a point guard, if we could be kind of so binary? I think she's a small forward who can create plays for others. And I'm kind of cheating there, but like as a point guard, you need to have the instincts. Like Daniel Robinson, for instance. Like you saw today, Daniel Robinson just runs offense better than Jackie Young does. Maybe Jackie Young can develop into a point guard in the future. Like she wasn't really a point guard in college. And this has kind of been an experiment starting from last season, her rookie season. But the other, the other side of the coin is she's not really much of a threat off the ball, right? So if you're playing her off the ball, 
that's that's a good one what do you think i still want to see her kind of running running the show as much as possible and i think i think that fits better as a point guard but you know with this with what we should expect from this roster next season um when hopefully they'll have a healthy uh, healthy kelsey plum back you know whether she's you know plum can definitely play off ball as the point guard and jackie sure. Young can run some offense so right, right, right. um as you're saying, I think it is kind of more about role. And I think defensively, you know, she can, she can do either in my opinion. So I, I think it to kind of echo what you're saying, it, it, it more kind of matters what type of players you have around her than, than necessarily what position she's going to, she's going to be. Okay. So I think we're on the same page there. Now let's, let's talk about Seattle for a little bit. Like I said, uh, 33 assists on 40 made baskets. And the funny part is I almost got the impression that they were like kind of coasting from the end of the second quarter to like the end of the third quarter. And they still just ran this amazing offense for most of the game. It really puts into perspective how good they are. Like, we saw a dominant Brianna Stewart in game one. This game, the shot distribution was very, very spread out. You had Alicia Clark taking 12, Stewart taking 13, Howard and Lloyd both taking 10, and Bird taking 9. And they, and they put up an offensive rating of 131.6. Yeah, and then where, where do you Kennedy even start with this? Shots as well. One thing I, I wanted to start with Natasha Howard because this is the, the – Oh, she was great. Yeah, the kind of player that we had been – hoping to see for a long time from her. And it was really nice to see this game offensively, you know, obviously defensively, particularly from like a metric standpoint in the on off numbers, like Howard was still a fantastic defender uh, this year, but offensively, it always kind of seemed like something was a little bit off from, from what we had saw from her the past two years. And I was really encouraged from what we saw today. She was active in transition to the extent that Seattle was able to, to get there. And we can talk about this later, but I think Vegas did a really, a much better job defensively in transition. But back to Howard, she, she scored on the block twice, one-on-one against Asia Wilson. I thought she was really opportunistic and smart as a cutter, which I think to me is the most encouraging part because it's like a sign of her activity offensively, which I mm-hmm. think you and I had both said was maybe like the most confusing thing about her season early on in the year. Uh, so, so Howard finished nine of 10 from the floor today, pretty much all 10 shots coming right at the rim. And, and it was really great to see, I think. It was, it came, they came both off of post-ups and off of rolls and the post-ups in particular, she took it right at Asia Wilson several times and she made some really great moves on there. Sometimes like most of the season, actually, it just seemed like she was going too fast and she was missing like bunnies right at the rim. She'd make her move, but then she'd like put it, like leave it short or something like that. She made some really nice moves. She was aggressive, but at the same time, she was patient. I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, she just looked in control out there and she didn't let the tough assignment of guarding Asia Wilson on defense affect her offense. And I think that's, that's huge. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It was a, a super encouraging uh, performance from her. Her one miss was that one alley-oop and I think it was either transition or semi-transition, but otherwise just a great game from her offensively. Uh, and Alicia Clark was able to get it going as well after, yeah. you know, a pretty miserable offensive performance in game one. And I thought Vegas just lost her a couple of times. Like she, she was wide open. Uh, Vegas definitely wanted to like switch more defensively in this one than they did in, in game one. And I thought they were a little bit slow kind of scramming their, their guards when their guards got switched onto larger players and, you know, Seattle missed it the first time, but Sue Bird was practically screaming for the ball to get to the opposite side for Alicia Clark the second time it happened. And, you know, I think overall, Angel McCautry did not have a very good defensive game in this one. And a lot of that came from just forgetting that Alicia Clark is a basketball player. 
is it forgetting or is it schematic? Because we, we talked about it in the Sun versus Aces series. We wanted to see Angel McCartney guard Brian January because then she, she could like not guard Brian January, but you have to guard Alicia Clark. And that's part of what makes this offense so deadly. I mean, Alicia Clark is such a good spot-up shooter and she's not just a spot-up shooter. Like she can move off the basketball. She can, you know, play in the post. She can recognize mismatches. She, her basketball IQ is so high that like she gets the ball and it's either, it's either a shot or a pass right away. Yeah, and she was second on the team in assists today, and just crazy. Um, yeah. She's she's always willing to make the extra pass. She she's got good passing instincts and ability. You know, a lot of people can see them and can't necessarily make them. I think Clark can make some pretty nice passes, particularly like the pocket pass in, in the pick yeah. and roll. But you know, if your scheme is to leave Alicia Clark open, then that that's a bad scheme because she <laughs> she's not Brian January. Like she's going to can him. Yeah, and it was pretty unlikely that she was going to go two for thirteen again today. I mean, one of the most efficient shooters in the league. Sue Bird had a great game, four of seven from three, 10 assists. Was it, was it 26 assists through the first two games in this series? I mean, the load management, if you want to call it that, in the regular season, really paying off here. Yeah, she was, she was great. She got to the rim a few times. I think that was kind of the, the final straw for Carolyn Swords. That's when Swords got the hook, yeah. yeah. That, that was the last <laughs> we saw of her in this game was uh, after that Bird. And that's one thing, you know, just kind of universally I, I love to see is when the big, particularly in transition or semi-transition, sets the screen way up high so your guard really gets an opportunity yes. to, to catch some downhill momentum. And, and um, Bird just really toasted Carolyn Swords. It was, it was quite a sight to see. And, and like I said, that was the last we saw, saw of Swords. She did not play a second stint in the first half. I mean, in the second half here. So, yeah, but Bird was, was great. The difference in, in kind of what you get from Bird in Canada, I, I still kind of have my questions a little bit on like the the length of this dynasty, like what they can be long-term with Jordan Canada as like kind of the offensive hub when Sue Bird is no longer able to, to be this type of player, but but she still is now and she was great today. You know, that's something that I was thinking watching the game. As for as dynamic of a player and as good of a defender as Jordan Canada is, the, the whole offense is just completely different when Sue Bird is on the floor because she makes the crisp decision. She can shoot the three, but I don't think it's even as so much as that is just the ball stays moving, traffic is, is being directed, and like it just it just doesn't get sticky at all. So one thing to your point that you, that you, you said about these high screens, I think it was half-court hoops on Twitter. Uh, when Seattle, a couple years ago, when they are making their run uh, to the WNBA Finals under Dan Hughes, we saw a lot of drag screens in transition, either with Natasha Howard or with Brianna Stewart. And that's such a killer play with either of them because they're so mobile and they can both make plays at the top or down low. It just, you can't really guard it, especially if you're playing Carolyn towards the center, right? Oh, what, one other thing I want to say before we get to any possible adjustments, and I, I touched on this briefly. I thought Vegas did a, a really great job in this game getting back in transition, particularly Asia Wilson. I was just critical of her game, and now I'm going to be complimentary of it. She got beat down the floor a few times by Brianna Stewart, I think for you know three or four attempts where, where Stewart just had easy layups because Wilson didn't get down there and, and Wilson was a lot better in this game uh, when she did not have like a clear rebounding opportunity. Um, her first step was backwards instead of forwards. And, and that really played a huge part in Seattle only having six fast break points uh, in this one, as opposed to 11 in game one. Do you think that was an adjustment made? I do think it was an adjustment made. Yeah. A Asia in particular seemed like she was making a more conscious effort of, of getting back. Because they got, they still, they got 13 offensive rebounds. I mean, that, that's, and that's something that needs to continue for sure if they're, if they're going to you know, come back in the series. 
but uh, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that this, this storm team is just <laughs> really, really, really good in transition, just given how, how well they shoot the ball and how well they run the floor and how well they pick their spots. So anything that you can, you can do to kind of limit that. I mean, I think you have to do it, even if it is giving up potential offensive rebounding uh, opportunities, because my God, like, like in game one, when they were just making it rain from three, uh, you know, open three after open three in transition, like you, you have to find a way to shut that down. So good adjustment for sure. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is in game one, you know, Vegas only had eight turnovers, six of which were steals. And in this game, they were much more turnover prone. They had 15 turnovers and 10 of which were steals. And they still pretty much cut Seattle's fast break points in half. So yeah, good on them. Uh, Any, anything else that you, Oh, you know, one other adjustment we touched on briefly just in terms of from game one to game two was Vegas going from having Kayla McBride, guard Jewel Lloyd and D-Rob guard Sue Bird to McBride on Bird and D-Rob on Lloyd. And I thought that worked out pretty well for them. Anything you have in mind kind of for what, what this team can try in game? And obviously they did much more switching in this game as well, but anything they can try in game three? I think so much of it just comes down to Angel McCartry needs to play at her best and Jackie Young needs to be better. And Kayla McBride, I mean, like Kayla, you look at Kayla McBride's stat line, it's not horrible. She scored four, she was Four or six from three, granted a couple of those were like one was banked in and one was kind of bounced around and went in, but there were still makes. Um, she had a pretty poor floor game, I thought, which is, con- which is continuing this concerning trend of her not really contributing that much outside of anything. Now that I think of it, I mean, she has not been good this postseason. She has to be better. And the number of just kind of like, and she did have five assists in this game to her credit, but the number of just kind of like boneheaded passes play, that yeah. Kayla McBride has made over the course of this postseason is um, kind of unbelievable for for kind of the regard I held her in coming into these playoffs. As you said, she's got to be better. She she's making kind of some some dumb choices out there. In terms of like on floor adjustments, you know they've tried in game one they were really kind of icing heavy and playing the pick and roll ball handler with with two defenders. You know, that's just not going to work with Brianna Stewart. You can't have Brianna Stewart be the, the player that you leave wide open as you're putting two on the ball in, in pick and roll. And they tried to do a little bit more switching, uh, which obviously comes with its own issues when you have two pretty good uh, two pretty good bigs and a couple dynamic ball handlers for Seattle. What I would try is maybe like pushing the pick and roll and, and just having your guard play, I mean, I'm sorry, your big play as skinny to the screen as possible to give D-Rob and Kayla McBride you know, two pretty athletic defenders, I would say, D-Rob in particular. You know, this probably involves maybe McBride going back to Lloyd and D-Rob playing on Sue Bird because she just has a little bit more athleticism to her uh, in terms of, like, recovering out. And, you know, Sue Bird, you don't want to go under on her, obviously, too hard because she's she's a terrific three-point shooter, but she's mm-hmm. not, not the quickest release in the world. So if you are pushing in to get under that screen quickly and recover out, you know, something to at least try because what they're doing isn't working and you can't give Stewart these these super wide open opportunities where, you know, she's just catching cleanly, whether, whether it's at the elbow or, or behind the line. So, you know, let, let D-Rob take advantage of her athleticism maybe and, and stay glued to Stewart a little bit more. What do you think about that? I mean, you got to try it. You got to try something else. You're, you're down 2-0. The one thing that I would, I think needs to happen, is I think Angel needs to play as much as she can. You know, 28 minutes today, she was kind of effective, but not really. <laughs> like, look, you're down two zip in the finals. No more minutes limits, you know? 
Like you got to go. You the, the one thing I was thinking about was maybe, maybe giving Sugar Rogers a few, a few more minutes instead of Jackie Young, but I don't know. She made a few three pointers today, but I, like Sugar probably not going to give you much defensively. It's it's so tough, man, because this team is so deep, and aces are outgunned at basically every position. If Asia Wilson does not at least match Brianna Stewart in terms of production, it's so hard because everywhere else there's a mismatch. So, and like, do you survive the cannon minutes? Do you survive the swords minutes? Well, now you don't really have a choice because you got to put at least one of them out there at, at any one time. Like there's really not much they can do. I don't think you, they can try different co- coverages, like you said, and I think they will because you have to try something. But outside of that, I don't, I don't think there's, what else can you do? Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe one other thing you try and I, I'm not really too, too sure about this to be honest, but like maybe you, you do start cannon you know, you still give Swords her minutes, but they line up with Russell's. They each played, you know, about 13 minutes in this game. So so maybe if Swords' minutes are more aligned with Mercedes Russell's, who is doesn't bring with her quite the athleticism as Howard and Stewart, doesn't have the off-the-dribble game, like isn't going to face up on you. Like we mentioned the the drive that Sue Bird had on Swords, but Natasha Howard also just like caught it at the elbow and drove right by her too. So, yeah. um, so maybe that's something you try just because you do need to play your minutes and and she had two more offensive rebounds today like she's been overall a, a positive and was actually a plus two in this game amazingly enough but um you know i don't really i'm not a huge believer in kind of what emma cannon is bringing you but 27 minutes to 13 tells a story you know what i mean so yeah. so bill trusts trusts her a little bit so maybe maybe that's what you do i i have nothing else to add honestly i mean Right now, I think this is just a total mismatch. I, it, it was good to see the Aces, you know, at least put up a fight. You know, they, they came back again like they did in game one. But the Stormers have so much depth. And when all the starters are on the floor, you know, closing this game, there's really not much the Aces get. Like, they just get worn down. If you get this Natasha Howard again, Brianna Stewart, like, she scored a quiet 22 points. She was just kind of floating around on the – she didn't really seem to be punishing mismatches that often. She was five or eight from three. I mean – yeah, this is this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This is a really good team, and they're they're showing us the whole oh, package. Yeah. Well, one other thing I was going to say, and I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, was maybe Jackie Young's minutes are just a hundred percent just spelling Danielle Robinson. You know, maybe she goes down to like the nine minutes that D Rob doesn't play, uh, and this way you kind of avoid having both of them out on the court. And obviously, she's been pretty bad overall, so you're lowering her minutes as well. But you know, other than that, you know, maybe it's time for more Sugar Rogers, as you were saying. Also, you have to get more out of, I think, Angel McCarthy. I hate to keep harping on it, but yeah, she's the one player who, you know, she can get some stuff going in transition. She can get to the rim. Although, like you said, she has struggled against the length of Seattle, but you got to go down with your best players. Yeah, but she was eight for 14 on twos today. I thought she, in in this game, much more so in game one, like she finished pretty well on some. Game one was weird, yeah. Yeah, eight of 14 on two. So the more of the Angel McCarthy you're used to seeing. But again, like she can't really, she can't really be as much of an off-ball defensive threat as she was against Connecticut because Seattle can shoot from everywhere. So, yeah, it's gonna be difficult in uh, in Game Three. Do you think the Aces can win at least the game? Uh, I mean, I I think they can. I don't think they will. I mean, I okay. think like if Seattle just has one of those games where they come out a little, little flat and everything goes well for for the Aces and they're just much more physical and you know Seattle lets their their guard down like there's not so much of a differentiator between these two teams that, that they can't win a game, but I don't think they will. I agree with you. Anything else you would like to add on this? No, I think, um, I think by the time we record next week, we'll, uh, 
we'll have a champion. And at that point, I think we will probably do our award show. Our award show. That's right. The thing that everyone is looking forward to. Weeks late. Not really. But yeah. Weeks late. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough for everyone listening. It's, it's kind of tough because we only record on Sundays and the finals may be a little bit more important than our, our, not exa- our hypothetical awards that have already been decided, but we'll have some content for you. No worries. We'll have some, uh, discussion. I think the all WMA teams were released today. Um, there are a couple we might've disagreed with, but, uh, looking forward to recording that one. Otherwise, I mean, we hope everyone is, is staying safe and healthy out there. We hope you're enjoying the remainder of the playoffs. It's going to really stink when the WNBA is once again in off season, but, uh, we'll make it through. So as always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, for Stephen Trinkwell, this is Eric Nemchak signing off from the Double Down WNBA. We're on Google Play. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Twitter at Double Down WNBA or our personal accounts at Nemchak E or at Trinkwald. And uh, we'll see you on the interwebs. So thank you so much for listening.